we're ready. Hi, my name is Loberta and I am the founders of Millennials Revealed. It's a community that I created to bring support, encouragement, collaboration, and community to other millennials. Um, today in Millennials Revealed, we're going to talk about the seven mountains of society, um, specifically education and to go a little further, the seven mountains are arts and entertainment, education, media, government, family, religion, and business. And today we have April Pace to discuss education. How are you, April? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Laverna. Thank you for being on. I appreciate your flexibility. Ooh, no problem. No problem. So tell us more about yourself. Oh, man. Tell you about myself. Well, my name is April Pace. Um, I am by profession. I am an early childhood special ed teacher, um, but I chose to do the untraditional role. I actually provide one-on-one um, -on -one support to children and families um, from birth to five years old. So I go into the schools and I go into the homes and I work with children with developmental delays, trying to give them support and skills so that they'll be able to be integrated into the general public, the general population, um, and when I work with families, I work based on like their everyday routines to help them and support them to be able to um, work with their children. So why, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, no problem. Um, also, I am currently transitioning or um, expanding my expertise to also providing um, professional development for teachers, which is um, my new fun little project. I do it collaboratively when I go in as a, as a see it, as a special education teacher in the classroom with other teachers. And so I just decided to, you know, do it as a professional as well. So those are the two things. I am also a new mom. I am a wife. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Cool. So why did you try, or why did you decide to take the unconventional route rather than just being a paraprofessional teacher, school aide, you know, okay. that kind of route? Well, my journey has gone in many different ways. Um, my undergrad degree was actually in psychology. <laughs> and I first, originally even going back, I always wanted to be a teacher since I was a little girl. I've always wanted to be a teacher. I went to high school. I was in an early childhood education program. And then my junior year, I took a psychology class and it changed my life. Like I got so intrigued. Um, I love my family, but it made me realize if I could get an understanding of the challenges or the, the deeper concept of the experiences that my family has, has, it would help me to not make the same, I don't want to use the word mistakes, pitfalls. And so that's what really like got me really into psychology and I want to be a psychologist and I want to learn to understand my family, which will help me understand myself. And it was always, I always had this, this um, inclination of always wanting to be better. That was my thing. Not better than people, but, but just be a better me. And I felt that if I got that understanding, that would help. And then I remember my senior year of college, we had an adjunct professor who basically told us that you don't really make a lot of money <laughs> being a psychologist. And I'm like, you telling me this now? Um, and I actually stumbled back into um, education where I was like graduated high college. I didn't have a job. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my degree. And my sister had a friend that had a program that worked in the school that provided like one-on-one -on -one tutoring for children. 
in the public school. So I signed up, it was like an internship kind of thing, paid internship. So I was like, you know what? I don't, I signed up to be an actual tutor, went on the interview and they were like, actually, we want you to run the program. So that was my way back into education. So I became like a program coordinator of this program, which I worked in the school, but I worked for a nonprofit. So even though I had a supervisor, I kind of was, I had a lot of autonomy. I ran the program by myself. I only saw my supervisors like every other month. And, but I still got to do education. I still got to work with kids. And that comfortability of being able to like not have someone on my back, not be, there was no way I was going back. And so <laughs> I worked there and loved the company for three years, dedicated it to bring in the program. And I actually got set up by my supervisor um, and my coworker and I got fired and I fought it because it was, it was a wrongful fight and that kind of thing. But that really started me off that I said, I never want to put myself in a position where someone has control over whether or not I feed myself. And that was, I think that was the journey of me saying, I got to do my own thing because I'm not traditional. Um, and then after that, I worked for a program where I um, facilitated like um, a wellness program for seniors. Same thing. It was like right from the, the recession, what was that, 2008? Um, and it was right before I got laid off. I, I created this, like I started this with this company and they had like 11 programs throughout the city, but they didn't have any in Brooklyn. And I started, I opened 11 programs in just Brooklyn, you know, created all these different things for the program. And again, recession came. And even though I was the one doing the most, I was the first one to get let go. And I was like, never again. So I went back to school, got my master's. I wanted to start my own daycare, but I was like, I need to step, be, be different. And, um, yeah, and never thought I would be a special ed teacher throughout my whole master's degree. Everybody was like, oh, you know, everyone's doing this doom. And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I do not want to work with special ed kids. But again, graduated, was in between jobs. Um, one of my elders at church uh, was running a, a daycare. She was the director. And she was like, I need you. Just come in for a little while um, while you get your stuff together. And again, worked in Coney Island. I was a preschool teacher and I had about 22 students. And I would say I probably unofficially had about 10 of them that had special needs and I never knew what to do. And I had this one particular child that always stood out to me. He had like some emotional challenges. And this kid was like five years old and he got, this was like his fourth daycare. And I was like, it had to be more to this child. So I would like, work with him, work with him. And like, he was just a child that had mixed emotions because he came from a challenging background and he, but he was the one because what I realized is that although I wanted to give to all my students, this one student needed me the most. And it was either I gave him what he needed at the expense of everyone else, or I took care of all the other students at the expense of him. And when I had to weigh it, Although all students can benefit from my support, he needed me the most. Um, and that is what made me step out of the classroom because I wanted to be that one-on-one -on -one support. Because a lot of times special needs children, they're the ones that get pushed aside. People don't have the patience. People don't have the tolerance. Um, and that was my journey as a special ed teacher, as a seed. And 
I love it because I get to do what I love and I get to make a difference um, and be the voice for the children that people don't really pay attention to. And I also make my own hours. So <laughs> that's my story in a long but short nutshell and how I became a CA. You know, that that is a really good point because now that I think about it, uh, with this pandemic and with COVID-19 happening and with this remote learning, like I start to think about all the District 75 students who have to grapple with the pandemic and not be able to have their normal functionality of a day-to-day basis because they can't go to school or they can't, you know, yeah. a lot of restrictions with them. And what do you do in those situations where you have this child, they can't go to school, they're restricted on a ton of different things because of what's yeah. happening in the world and already they're feeling like they're different and that they need the special attention. And now in this t- pandemic, they don't have any of it that they need. And right. then the parents are probably stressed out because they don't know how to cope with this and how to handle their work from home jobs. And yep. it's, it's all kind of crazy. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. And it's, it's interesting because I feel at times that um, I'm undervalued. Um, and I think people don't respect what I do. Um, a lot of times, especially being in early childhood, they consider us like glorified babysitters. And I think this pandemic is, I'm hoping that this pandemic is giving people a new level of respect of how hard it is to be a teacher because parents were complaining after a month (laughs) of having to do this with their children. And I'm like, Hey, welcome to my life every day, all day. And for me, it's even more because, because I work with special needs children, especially the younger children that I work with, like the 18 month olds and the two year olds where I'm going in the family, like these families come in, I go into these homes and these families want me to quote unquote fix their child. And sometimes because I'm so in, so in tuned or attentive to their needs, sometimes they forget that, hi, there's a human being connected who also has a family. Like I'm great at what I do, but the moment I want to take a moment to take care of my own personal needs, I get a lot of attitude and kickback from my families. And it's, it's disheartening um, because I can't, I don't have the kind of job that I, I don't clock out when I walk away. Like I take my students home with me. I don't even call them my students. A lot of the time I say my kids, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's not easy, but I love it. I, I can't imagine myself doing what, anything else but it's something that I love but at times it it just it frustrates me and sometimes I do want to walk away but I don't (laughs) so let's shift gears and talk about professional development because how did that all come into play okay so for (laughs) how did okay so as a as a CIT which basically is just the acronym for special education itinerant teacher so my job as a special ed teacher, when I work with like the preschool age is I do do one-on-one support for my students. And most of my students, um, a lot of times I, so far I've had a lot of students who have developmental delays. Um, they have um, language um, delays. And so um, they may be a three-year-old who literally cannot talk you know, um, can understand language, but they can't talk. And as, at times we take for granted that language is learned by our interaction. So that child is at a disadvantage socially and also and so forth. So my job is to work with that child at times one-on-one, but the big bulk of what I do is to support them within their classroom, to, to find ways to support them and create um, 
I want to say, for lack of a better word, systems that they're able to integrate in their classrooms and function and, and work, you know, like all the other children to where they can. Um, and so a lot of times for doing that, I have to step back at times and kind of educate the teachers on what the need is for that child. Because I think at times a lot of general ed teachers, they know what typical children are and they have, and, and in their defense, they have 15 to 18 other kids and you have this one child that needs that one-on-one -on -one that they, they don't have time, you know? So a lot of the times they don't have the patience. So a lot of the times I have to know what's going on in the class based on what's going on in the class. How can I then differentiate the instruction so that my student can participate? And so sometimes that does take me having conversations with the teachers and saying, I understand this is what you want to do, but you can add this so that so-and-so can do it. And so I find um, naturally I'm constantly, um, I'm constantly collaborating with teachers. That's the best way to support my students. In addition to that, because I am an outside person that's inside the classroom, a lot of times teachers have frustration with their administration that they want to share, but they can't share with the administration. So a lot of times they vent to me. But I'm coming from both perspectives because I know where the administrator's coming from, but I know where they're coming from. So I find myself at times unofficially becoming like the liaison between the administration and the teachers. And it's something that over the years that I've been doing that I'm constantly doing and I constantly, you know, eventually, because I go into classrooms and sometimes because I look so young, I don't get the respect. I have to earn their respect as teachers. And after a while, they realize she really knows what she's talking about. And a lot of times they'll ask my opinions. How should you think I should do this? And I said to myself, I've been doing this unofficially. And one of my frustrations is I say to myself, if these teachers had more expertise or experience of what it means to live the life of my student my student would thrive more because the classroom would be beneficial and so I would get frustrated because I'm like you don't understand my student is like agitated because you're not stimulating them mm -hmm. and it came from that frustration where I'm constantly like oh every time I leave this classroom and it's like okay I could do one of things I could constantly be like a lot of other students like myself and bad mouth and complain about what the teachers don't do or I could be a part of the solution. And so I already have that kind of relationship with the teachers. I have that relationship with the administration. They see what I do on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so I kind of go to them like, hey, I see you guys need support here in this, this area. And I can help you. Um, and that's kind of how it came about. Yeah. Just from like my frustration of not seeing quality in the classrooms and seeing how it affects my students. A little selfish on my part. But <laughs> But it helps everybody else, you know? So how is being a seed and doing professional development, how has it changed or it, did it change during this pandemic? Did your roles change at all? Did how you... Well, you have to in a way it has because um, I started like, what was it? 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, you know, I... Because I did it like about four years ago. Um, with a friend who was starting a daycare and she asked me to come in and teach her teachers or whatever. And I have a friend that, um, I have a really good friend, my, my lovely Tiffany. Um, we're like, you know, we were schoolmates and we're like, 
professional mates and we decide we have the same frustration because we're both seeds and so we decided that we wanted to create actual um professional development so one of the ones that we did was like um classroom management and um curriculum development right and so she this person came and asked us to do it and we were like okay this is our opportunity to like try it out see how people but we didn't want to be traditional because a lot of times in professional development it's usually either the director of the school or it's someone who was a teacher 10 years ago who hasn't been in this classroom in 10 years and so a lot of times they have great pedagogy and they have all these great concepts but they're not actively in that classroom and they don't see the day-to-day -day that all that idealistic thing when you realistically get in the classroom doesn't work <laughs> and how do you mesh the two and that was something we wanted to do was make it in a way because when teachers think of professional development automatically in your mind you're like your mind is just like oh Right. At least we get a day off for the kids, but you're not excited. And I, I, it was important for if they're not excited about it, even thinking about children, they're not going to get as much from what I'm sh using or, or sharing with them. Because I hate to use the word that I'm teaching because everyone has their expertise. So that was kind of our start. And we created this like really untraditional way of even starting our professional development where, you know, you go around the room and everyone's like, well, my name is and I've been. So what we did was instead of having people talk, we had, we made clay and my um, Tiffany makes clay and she like puts scents and they're like really bright, vibrant colors. Then they smell like lavender or they smell like lint and everyone has to make something that describes who they are and then they could share it. And just doing that one thing. And while they were creating, we had like soft jazz playing in the background. Um, and just that shifted their, their, their attitude. Um, when they came in, because they came in with the, oh, here's another person. And towards the end, they were like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? Which is not the normal for professional development. And so I was like, we have something. So I did do that in last year, and, and someone asked me to do it, and it was the same experience, and then I got pregnant. So I kind of fell back from it, and I was like, yes. You know, after I have the baby in a couple months, I'm going to start back, and when I go back to work, and then the pandemic happened, which shifted everything because one of the things that I love that I like to be hands-on so like now with everyone at home it's shifting to online and that's not my comfort zone mm -hmm. so I haven't actively gone forward with it because I like to be hands-on like I don't want to just have people hear my voice like I like to be hands-on with the teachers like I like to be with my students so I haven't actively been doing the professional development in the last now since the pandemic and um currently right now i'm doing it remotely with my students which i personally don't love <laughs> um because i think one of the things that makes what i do unique is my actual physical interaction with my students like i'm big on um because a lot of my students are nonverbal. Nonverbal communication means a lot. And so just a little touch on their cheek or a little touch on their hand. And I can't do that with my students. And um, I, I do see I'm still making that connection, but it's, it's nowhere near like when we're in person. It really isn't the same. So, so but it's our new normal. <laughs> well, yeah, true. How have you had to kind of pivot creatively to be able to engage with them? Well, as you see behind me, this little green paper behind me, um, one of the things that I had to get creative with, I, I saw a video where someone created a green screen. 
And because after a while, my kids, like my students are like the old, the youngest is two, the oldest is five. And when you think about them developmentally, they're even younger, you know? So I have a two-year-old that's about developmentally about 10, 11 months. I have a five-year-old that developmentally, she's about three and a half, four. So sitting in front of a screen for 30 minutes an hour, that's a lot of time. Um, and they can't touch my toys. They can't play with my toys. So I had to get creative and I found a video where someone did a green screen. And so I have this little green screen, which is really just poster board paper. And I live in a studio, so I have to like move my furniture around. And I like created like backgrounds for them with numbers and I got a second camera, so sometimes we do puppet shows. Like when I see they're getting bored, I'll switch the camera up and we'll do like dancing activities. So I've had to get really, really creative. Um, and if I can be honest, it's a little challenging because I'm also a new mom and I don't have a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> My baby's only five months, but I recognize that I have to like constantly shift and figure out ways to still get that intimacy with my students even though they're not with me um so that's kind of what I do like if I see that they're not getting it I'm switching it like I, you have a lot of teachers that and we all as teachers because we're used to being in control this is what I'm teaching and this is what I'm teaching and this is what I want and I think the problem is we forget that they are not computers that we're downloading information they're human beings with their own feelings, their own personalities, their own likes. And so if you, you come in with a plan, but if you see that it's not working, shift. And so like the other day I had a student, I had something in particular I wanted to do. And I saw that he wasn't interested, but he kept doing this shaking thing. And so we made a shaking game where it was like, shake, 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 freeze. Shake, shake. You know, I had to shift. And on the one hand, it looks like, you know, on the outside, it's like, why is she not teaching him something? But just in that moment, one, I was relating to his interest. He wanted to shake. And that process of just me going shake, 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 freeze, what he was learning was to follow the directive. Because this is a baby that he's two and he does, not, he does not have language. So in order to learn to speak, you have to first learn to listen to language, understand language, comprehend language, and then respond. So just from me saying, shake, 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 freeze, and him freezing, there's a lot of concepts. And that's the first step of language. So to someone else, it looks like, why is she just spending five minutes shaking? A no, I'm teaching him the first concept of language, following directions. I'm relating to his, his, his likes right now, because right now that's what he wants to do. And that's one of the things that I love about what I do. And I love that how I do what I do because I don't work for the board of ed and I don't have a specific, I have goals that the children have to meet, but the way in which I get them to meet that I can do it um, in a way that's comfortable for me, but in a way that's comfortable for them. And I wouldn't trade that for the world, you know? So. That's good. <laughs> I appreciate this conversation. Thank you, April. Thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to share while we're on here? Um, anything I want to share? Nothing. I mean, I just want to say that, you know, and just to share with anyone, a lot of times when I first started doing this, I remember straight out of my master's degree, I got my master's degree. I got my, I'm certified in special ed. I'm certified in general ed. And everyone was like, I don't understand why you're not getting a real job, why you're not going to the board of ed. Cause with what I do, I'm fee for service. So if I don't work, I don't get paid. 
you know, we have, I have all the holidays off, but I don't get holiday pay. You know, when I went on maternity leave with my daughter, um, I did not really get maternity leave, you know, but, um, I am in a position where I was able to do something that I love. That's my gift, which is to educate and to teach and to facilitate, but I was able to do it in my way of creativity that no offense to anyone else, but working for the Board of Ed didn't work for me. So not just in education, I just want to share to anyone. Like I'm an entrepreneur at my heart, even though I am a teacher. And I believe that when you have that idea, be okay with being untraditional, be okay with people not understanding. Because in the beginning, I remember having a friend and I was struggling in the beginning. I remember when I first started doing this, I didn't get paid for three months. Um, and, and I had to keep borrowing money from my friends and my family. And I remember a family member, a friend was like, I'm concerned that you didn't make the right decision. What I knew, what God put in my heart, and I knew that I was not the traditional classroom teacher. I, I just wasn't. Um, and I, had, I could make a difference in a different way. And I just, I was true to what God put in my heart. And sometimes it may mean you don't have to explain anything. God would explain it. Don't feel the need to explain to people what God put in your heart. Be true to what God told you, give it to God, and it will make sense. Because I have people now that wish they can work the hours that I work. You know, I was able just now, I was offered a position and it was a 40-hour work week. And what they were asking me to do for 40 hours, I can make it 15 hours with what I do. And so I'm in the process of gracefully bowing out. And, but it was because I kept going because it was rough in these CS streets in the beginning, but I found ways to be creative. You know, I, I do my thing on the side and I'm, I'm an educator always. And so I believe that I can always find a way to shift because there are always ways that people need education in any kind of way. I do professional development for teachers. Um, I teach time management, which is something I'm good at, but I didn't realize was a skill that people would think of. So yeah, be true to yourself. And yeah, the things that God put in your heart, just follow through with it and it will happen and you don't have to explain yourself. <laughs> That's good. Thank you very much, April. You're welcome. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Bye. <laughs>